When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN music group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. It is the last year of 2021. So the last year of 2021. I'll take that again. No, that was correct, Amanda. <laughs> oh, man. Great. You don't need to you say it the end of democracy and you were not joking. <laughs> well, the biggest topics, I think it's the three of us. We're just going to chat about the three of us this week. We've talked about enough news. We have talked about the news every four days a week, Sammy, five days a week, all year long. I'm kind of, I'm sick of it. Elise, what about you? I'm done. i'm done with the news for now (laughs) for now so we're gonna do a mailbag episode i had to be convinced into doing this because i always feel uneasy like thinking that i'm interested enough interesting enough to like invite questions about myself but i think you two are interesting enough so we're gonna go for it we're raw dogging these million elise have not seen these questions (laughs) we're gonna do it Totally spontaneous. Betches pups, raw dogs questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking betches of betches pups. pups, you might be able to hear young Rusty in the background there. Oh, uh, young Rusty. I'll, I'm just going to go for up. the most uh, touching question first, which is that somebody did let us know that their cat passed away, but specifically Rusty content has been helping them through it. Oh, oh God bless you. I'm that. I mean, I feel very, my heart goes out to you. Losing a pet is like, it's, so sad and i feel like society has like never told us where to place yeah some of that sadness um and i promise you that there will continue to be rusty content for you to enjoy to your heart's delight you're so right i mean millie said recently that also there's not really any kind of like we should when you get a new dog it's it's not of course completely comparable to a new baby but there should be some sort of like you should be able to have like a registry and people should be checking up on yeah. you and the same goes for for animal death so we fully honor the the animal oh my god i like sometimes i go up and down the stairs with my dog and i'm like he's gonna get so old one day that he can't go up and down this like i yeah. start thinking about that like oh that must be so hard i'm so sorry about your cat yeah, so sorry. Definitely a good excuse for Elise to do more uh, rusty content. I'm gonna I start guess with the I first will. <laughs> I guess I'll do it. 
<laughs> the first question is a bit of a vanity question. I'll read it. It just says, how are you three so absolutely brilliant and gorge and hilarious? The people need to know. <laughs> I mean, let's, uh, can we take that and put it on my Tinder profile? <laughs> The only answer to that I have is uh, I think we all needed to hear that. So thank you. That came in through my, we got the best 100%. questions through the, through the prompt that I put on my uh, personal stories. Mm -hmm. So you guys are, you guys are the real ones. But somebody, those are the true fans. Those are the true fans. We have more people that listen to this podcast every day than who follow me on Instagram, which makes me feel negatively. So <laughs> why does it feel negative? I don't know. I guess it's because like I don't make social content, so it's fine. Like, why would you? You're not really following me for like added value, but um, yeah. Give me, give me, a, give me a follow. Maybe I can get some free stuff yeah, from my way. Um, <laughs> I well, I also will say that um, at least vanity. Just this is like I, you know, Millie is always going to take the question sincerely. I know. But I, <laughs> Amanda's like I put it on. There. I know, Millie. Um, you know, I think that there's no such thing as ugly people. There's just lazy people. No. Uh, and it is, but it's not about being lazy or whatever, but it is just like a practice, a lifelong practice of knowing like what clothes look good on your body, like what trends you can, and then like your skin. And I think that's really important for everybody, man, women, anyone, yeah. like it's important to know like what skincare products you use and all that. And it's like a process. And it's whatever, and it's a practice too. And yeah, I think, and that's specifically you're talking about what makes you more brilliant, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, inside it, well, everything really, yeah. but also, yeah, but also just that's something that I learned that like really, really hot people work really hard at being hot, and I've seen that it plateau for me. I see a plateau of like there's a certain <laughs> level of hotness that I'm like it's not even worth it anymore. You're not even dating that much hotter guys. Totally. You're, you know what I mean? Because I have some really yeah, hot cousins. Yeah, you gotta know when to stop. So no for, but stop. yeah, but for everyone, it's just a practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, practice perfect. Of being hot. Yeah, I'm gonna alternate between like political, newsy questions and more personal ones, even though we definitely got more personal ones. Love it. Somebody said, let's catastrophize together, which could be an alternative title of this podcast for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what are your biggest fears for 2022? Oh, Jesus. Hmm. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well. And I guess maybe like to specify like maybe how they differ from this year. I'm definitely really scared about the pandemic and I'm scared about um I'm not scared about Republicans taking the house because that seems very likely. I'm just scared of a cascade of events this in the next year that makes it um, impossible for Democrats to ever win an election again because they've made them so unfair. I would say that's my number one fear. Yeah, I think that's I'm with that. I'm like that that Democrats um, just don't learn any lessons and, you know, never, never adjust their strategy and and stay like I think to Republicans credit, they've they really have like learned how to manipulate the media and um, play offensive and just say like outright lies and Democrats don't, but they don't play, they don't play, you know, offense. Yep. And, and, and I think, you know, with, with the abortion and with these midterms, I'm just like really scared that it's really going to demoralize a lot of people from voting and that Democrats aren't going to learn any lessons and not do any big sweeping change that's going to affect anyone day to day, which that's scary. Yeah, yeah, I 
I agree with both of you. And the only other things I would add is like, yeah, I'm really worried about Roe. Um, and like, it, I mean, we know that the Supreme Court is going to do something to Roe, but it's I'm worried about like how that's actually going to play out and what's that's going to look like. And like once Roe goes, you know, like I said this to Amanda and it's really bleak, but since we're catastrophizing, like there will be a name of the first person we learn who like died from a back alley abortion because Roe is gone. And that just is going to be a person whose name we will learn at some point once it goes. And, like, that just really makes me sad. Because that's yeah. probably, like, there's just probably some young girl out there who has no idea that she's going to be the first victim of this. So that's yeah. my really sad thing to say. <laughs> yeah, then, like, it's 2022. We don't need a martyr for abortion rights. But yeah, we will get one. We will um, probably get one. That, like, really makes me sad. And then also, just going off what you guys said, I just worry about like yeah the likelihood that the the republicans are going to take the house is really high and then like how much damage you know it's hard enough when we have the house but the senate is so hard to work with it's like if we lose the house then it's like no legislation can get passed at all and like how much harm can be done to people in the Mm. middle of a pandemic and in the middle of an economic recovery when we can't pass anything Hmm. Yeah, I saw a tweet that really made me think yesterday, and it was like, we're in a spot now with these parties that Democrats position it to their voters as like, you have a moral responsibility to vote for us because the alternative could be so much worse. But we're not that good at offering like how much better it could be. So I think that us relying on how much worse it could be, I don't feel hopeful that that's going to drive turnout. So we have to do something else. Another person asked, are there any political issues you feel hopeful about? I'm going to I am not one of these people. I think it's a very privileged point of view to be like, this is the abortion fight we need to ensure Mm -hmm. like, I don't think this needs to happen. I hope it does not. But I I think that our political system has not worked well at showing how under threat abortion rights have always been um, because they've been chipped away at far away, away from the states where the media tends to live. And people don't really have a sense of how how risky this is and how close this has been to going away and how activated Republicans and the far right are against abortion. And with how likely the Supreme Court overturning it seems to be, I do sometimes wonder if that could be the moment that causes a reaction that solidifies abortion rights for the next couple generations and it's no longer a conversation. I don't know exactly how that plays out. I think that in the meantime, we will people will die, but I try to hold on some hope that that if this happens, the political system and Democrats will finally react to protect abortion rights and reproductive justice like the way that they have chosen to not to for 50 years. Um I I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's sad, but like it makes a lot of sense because I we have been sort of resting on the row ruling Mm -hmm. without ever actually like codifying the rights into law. And that's how we got into this place. So Mm -hmm. hopefully we can learn from that and we need to start like codifying things rights into law and Um, take it away from republicans as a political tool because they just have it and they can use it if we can take that away from them and that's how they activate 
that's how people are able to like that is such an important issue for some people that they're able to ignore like all the other terrible things that Republicans do because they just don't want people to have abortions that they're able to ignore like the like I just I just know a lot of Hispanic voters who yeah. you know are able to ignore all the Mexican stuff because they're like two three generations removed from immigration and they feel strongly about abortion so it's like if they don't have abortion then what are they left with and mm-hmm. it's not much. Um, yeah. yeah. I, the issue that's making me feel really good uh, or that gives me a lot of hope is like the labor rights movement oh, that yeah, is yeah, happening right one. now. And like, you know, right now Kellogg's workers are on strike. Don't buy Kellogg's. But like we've been seeing like a real rise in like um, class consciousness mm-hmm. and consciousness about like work and how work should be done. And I, You know, coming from the millennial generation, like, we have that, like, horrible hustle culture of just accepting fucking anything Mm -hmm. and, like, low-paid bullshit, Mm -hmm. like, anything to work, because we all came of age in 2008 and, uh, you know, afterward, and we're graduating in 2012 and 10, and there weren't jobs. But I think Gen Z is, like, they don't take that. They have, like, a sense of labor rights uh, mm-hmm. within them and being like you know what I'm not gonna work I'm not gonna be abused by my employer and we're seeing that you know across like all these factories all these different strikes and stuff and I think that's really awesome and yeah. I think that it's like it belies a lot of grassroots movement that it might take a while but I think that like this is the movement that's gonna get us Medicare for all later like yeah. this is yeah, like yeah. The labor rights movement has, when it has been active, has done so much fucking good in this country. Like, it's done so much. So the fact that we're seeing a resurgence, it might take time, but that is where I'm putting a lot of my hope for good things to come. And just to, like, piggyback off what you were saying, like, a lot of office jobs are unionizing. Mm -hmm. And it's so crazy because, like, I think we talk a lot about, like, Black Lives Matter and how much that has shifted in the past four or five years. But somebody shared this, like article one of my friends shared this article that was written in 2015 about like buzzfeed about this person's like i basically want to end my life because i don't work at buzzfeed and that's like the hottest coolest place to work and we were just discussing like that buzzfeed was the hottest place to work in 2015 but also like no one would write this article now because like attitudes have shifted so much about like no one stands corporations and all that so Mm -hmm. it is like it's really crazy to see how it shifted and how quickly and i will say that just to defend millennials millennials won't accept millennials will quit a job that's like, true. millennials will quit jobs. Boomers will stay at jobs for a long time. Yes. Millennials will just quit a job and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, Gen Z will do or is doing more of like the labor union stuff. But mm-hmm. I think millennials will leave. They won't stay at a job. Yeah. And I also think millennials play a role in like as a millennial who manages Gen Z people. It, yeah. Millennials have a role in being like, you know what? I sh- this person shouldn't have to do what I had to do. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason an entry well, yeah. level person should have to work all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, and that's fine. Like, I'm not doing anything wrong if my if she's not working constantly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's also on us to make sure we're not that we're letting them make those statements and we're yes. providing space for that and not making demands that like we rejected at the time and we just think are like part of paying dues because yeah, that was bullshit. And millennials, luckily, are onto it too. So I think that there's a good opportunity for Gen Z and millennials to like team to up. To team up, which we need to do. We mm-hmm. need to stop 
millennials stop making songs about them on yeah. TikTok. And no, just... nobody's doing that. that was like if you're paying years. somebody less than $50,000 a year, do but, not make them work more than 40 hours a week. Mm, that's true. I agree. And I do think that, like, I think the reason why Gen Z is the way it is is because they saw, like what happened to us when we were first entering the workforce mm-hmm. and jobs were so low and there was like the unpaid internship expectation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we learned a lot of things the hard way, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. and got to a place where we're like, no, I'm not accepting this. Gen Z like saw us talking about it, saw the content we made about it, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, watched the movies and TV shows and all the things and like, they internalized those lessons before they even had to like enter the workforce, which I think is, you know, yeah, it's, totally. it's, yeah. Um, the, okay. The real quickly, the, the political issue, uh, can you guess the thing that's, that's really exciting for me is transportation. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, um, more people are well, over here still like at least we passed the biff well <laughs> I, listen i think that i think that you know um more people are riding bikes more people are getting electric scooters electric cars like that Absolutely. is that is making me hopeful and like that is a big piece of environmental stuff obviously there's like a lot of cool racial legislation stuff but i just feel more hopeful about the transportation about the bikes. <laughs> like about bikes and like and yeah, like as an urbanist, I think that people are seeing like the um, the benefit in, in investing in public transportation. And I hope that, you know, we're one step closer to Japan or France. Uh, and, with, and with Biff, we are, you know, but like one step closer to Japan or France where like when I was sitting, you know, Japanese people don't use cars unless they go on a trip that's more than an hour. And I think that's what we need to... Do, like start getting at in this country yeah yeah we all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day i'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs but ever since i switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros i've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin yes but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. 
Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So somebody asked, Elise and Millie, where and how did you meet? Oh, God, I don't even remember. Probably some dingy basement improv (laughs) world. Millie and I, we we both did improv through UCB, so we met got it, got it. through that. I remember the okay. I remember like before I even met Elise, we did get an online fight. Before <laughs> I, I was uh, wrong too, so I can't so, even get into that. Yeah, we're not going to get into the <laughs> online fight, but we were we got in an online fight. But then um, I don't know how me and her first met, but how I think we started becoming friends was get this hold your horses there's uh an interactive kind of sleep no more kind of play uh where with an all latino cast about the chilean mind collapse right um where the (laughs) audience was in the minds and we were all minors and me and elise were in that play it ran for at least a year um every saturday or that's crazy at, at least twice a month for a year at, I think it was more though. I think we did it a long ass time. That's we crazy. did it for oh, a really long time, and that was a great play, and it was really fun. And at the end, we it was in a basement, and so we would like open the the, the like hatch. trap door to get it, the hatch to get in the basement. Everyone would come out, and we had a little guy come well, in and be like, "You're that, safe." Like, Bo and Yang was involved in. Bo and Yang huh? directed it. Directed it. Bo yeah. and Yang yes. directed it. Raleigh Williams, who's also like a really great climate change like influencer yeah. like he makes a lot of really good co- uh, content funny story the guy who wrote that play right he went to C- C- columbia got his master's in environmental things but he's environmental studies but he's um a comedian and he has a really popular youtube awesome. channel and the guy who was my tour guide in Colombia with the motorcycles shared one of his videos. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, wow. this guy's like, actually, I don't know. But yeah, that's how me and Elise yeah. got close. That is how we met. And it's a beautiful story that shows that you can get in a fight with someone on the internet and be wrong. And because <laughs> I was I was wrong and I was like caping for you. It's actually really embarrassing what was happening. No, we don't have to but go there. We don't have to we'll go, into I, that. Go but what we'll I will say... Is that beautiful friendships can come from anything. But you know what? You know what that is also? Is that sometimes we're wrong online. And sometimes some, yep. we're wrong and online. It, life's not black you know, and white. asked this really interesting question that I didn't put it on here because I couldn't immediately think of an answer and I wanted to give it a, a, more time. But like, was there a time this year where you were wrong? Like you, you were really wrong about something, whether it was just misjudging a political event or actually being... Um, 
Ooh, I'm sure that I was. You're having the wrong point. <laughs> I can answer this. The only thing I can think of is like, definitely this was the first year where we had a really intense situation with Israel-Palestine. And um, it was a learning experience to hear from people about, I, I don't think that there is a way to cover that that pleases everybody, obviously. Mm-hmm. I won't repeat the words, it's complicated. I learned that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there are definitely things during that that I either posted or said on the podcast that I think we're not correct and that I wouldn't say again. Um, but like, I, I'm pretty good at like, like mistakes are necessary, even bad mm-hmm. mistakes. They hurt people and that's not okay. And you have to try to avoid them. But like people make mistakes and like, what's the tweet? Like normalize changing your opinion after more information mm-hmm. or just, yeah, I think that that's the first thing that comes to mind where like after a few months of processing, I could revisit and be like, where, what did I say or think or post that was not helpful or positive. But again, I give myself the credit where it's like, I don't know how you, but I mean, listeners to the podcast probably know, they probably know things we said that, that they still think about. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you almost I mean, lost like, me there, girlies. <laughs> I think for me, I think one of the things that I um, have gr- not grown on, but like have t- listened is like, Zoe Saldana gets a lot of backlash from the from like the Black American community about different roles that she takes, and she took a Nina Simone role. And mm. at first, you know, there's just like this is like some insular like fighting about you know the, how Dominican people like identify themselves and stuff. And I'm very sensitive to that. Um, mm-hmm. and, but I'm also you know I was just like I don't know if she's if she's identifying with like as a black woman like why is it wrong that she took this Nina Simone role and I had like a darker skin um like black friend just kind of explained that you know Zoe should be you know more responsible with the kind of roles that she's taking and then like in her getting that role it it prevented like another like darker skin person from taking that role especially when so much of uh nina simone's music was about that so like that was something that you know obviously i i saw but like i really it really like i think the point is like having an in-person conversation about like an online thing and not keeping it online or doubling down but like being willing like the willingness i think that was helping me helps me like get a 360 view and and be have more informed opinions Mm mm-hmm Right. Yeah. I think that's so true. Like when it's being approached as like, not just as a character assassination, Yeah. like you said this and therefore you're bad, yeah. but rather like you said this, here's where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had so many people like really clearly and nicely like explain things to me on the app or like have, have good conversations with me in my DMs, which is again, why I like to check them because yeah. I actually do like to have like good dialogues back and forth. I feel like I'm like, now I feel like I'm not coming up with a specific thing and people are going to be like, Elise doesn't think that she's wrong, but no, <laughs> no I think it's, it's just as helpful to answer it with like, they happen. And I think yeah, it's important I mean, to normalize them, especially the thing among is that, like, people really who do what it you were saying, I, I'm drawing a blank, but like, I know there's so many times where I've like changed my perspective just because I like heard what an affected person had to say a little Mm -hmm. bit Mm -hmm. or like um just the open and amanda what you were talking about like that was a really tough time on the newsletter too Mm -hmm. and trying to learn how to write about that situation like 
truthfully, mm-hmm. sensitively, mm-hmm. with a 360 view, etc. And it was it was like it was a really huge learning experience trying to figure out how to tackle that within mm-hmm. the newsletter. I mean, personally, I feel like that's all the time. You know, I am in a yeah. Twitter bubble where I see a lot of like far leftists and I get frustrated and I'm not or like I you know I think that just happened in the last pod where I feel like I'm hypercritical of Biden or the Biden administration when really like in having a conversation and like talking it out and actually laying down what has happened it's not this like oh he hasn't done anything or this and that and I think it's a it's a good way of like hearing you frame it of like it's about we didn't hire someone that's not going to or, you know, hire vote for mm-hmm. a president that's not going to make mistakes. We're voting for we voted for a president that is able to admit when he makes mistakes and quickly fix them. And yeah. I think that's the difference between Trump and Biden. Yeah, I saw another tweet just to close the loop on this topic that was like, if we I think this year, especially with Biden and, and power and kind of like the Internet like people on the Internet who give a shit lacking a common enemy resulted in a lot of toxic um, interactions and a lot of blaming and a lot of like shaming that that didn't need to happen. Um, and I feel like this year, I've definitely learned like I've been that made me really reactive at some points because it when it's constantly coming at you. But I saw somebody tweet like, if we keep tearing each other up, that's what keeps them in power. If we exactly. keep canceling each other exactly. and refusing to engage with each other because of minor, minor things, it's like it comes down to everything. It's like we're shaming each other for not getting a PCR test. You got three vaccine doses. You've done everything you can. So I yeah. feel like it's been a, it's a really thoughtful question to ask. I feel like it's been an important year of like metabolizing yep. these conversations. Another one I want to make sure I asked you guys because um, the person sounded like they really needed advice was advice for public speaking. Mm. Ooh. Um, picture everyone in your underwear. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also am petrified about it. Like, I don't know if we could do it. Like, if people want a live show, we'll do it. But I'm going to need help. Um, so I'm a, I mean, Millie and I are people who I would say public speaking comes naturally to, but I think, um, for me, if I have a big show that I'm nervous about, like practice, you Mm -hmm. know, run through it, even if you're, cause I'm not someone who usually like writes an exact, like, like usually my standup is like a little diff, like I'm not Mm -hmm. like word perfect on all of it all the time, but Mm -hmm. I will like practice my set out loud. um, Oh, good. Or practice what I'm going to say out loud. Um, You can go slower than you think you can. Yes. That's the number one is like, give yourself time to breathe. And like, you can go a lot slower than your body is going to make you want to go. So like, take the time. I'll also like, um, just plant your feet firmly on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, give yourself like a solid yeah. foundation. Take a deep breath. Get into it. That is yeah, my advice. I think that's great advice. I think yeah. going slower and breathing, like making sure to like breathe in between sentences and stuff. I think that's good. And for me, I think it does come naturally, but it's also like. But just doing it a lot, you know what I mean? Like, just mm-hmm. acknowledging that that's something that you're scared of and then going, you know, uh, not letting those, yeah. like, that fear, like, take over. But just be like, yes, this is something I'm nervous about. Well, and then, like, over time, it stops getting... I used to get so nervous before every improv show, every stand-up show, like, couldn't sleep. Insane. Oh. And now, like, when somebody... That's hard to believe. Yeah, well, no, well, it's true. <laughs> but now when someone's like, oh, my God, it's so hard what you're doing on stage. 
Now I'm like, oh, I've like I've learned to have fun with that. And now the stressful part is like before the show is like, oh my god, tickets. Oh my god, this. Oh my god, that. What outfit? You know, which is all the other shit about comedy. And the actual comedy is like the vacation. But I yeah. think it's but it's because I did it so fucking much in all these different stupid ass scenarios. And you know, it's just like do it a lot and ignore the voices. And breathe right. and go slow. Yeah, breathe and go slow. I've never heard those. Those are great. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Let's do a couple more. So overwhelmingly, the biggest question was just about the puppies and if they've met and how they're doing, <laughs> if there are any uh, challenges. They have not met yet, but we definitely need to do a play date when it's when it's safer. But uh, let's house Tino's a couple a little bit older and a little mm-hmm. bit Tino's a little, little bit older. wiser. What's our Tino? What's our <laughs> Tino update? More worldly. Yeah. Worldly. <laughs> Tino. So yeah, um, Tino is six months. And oh my gosh. Yeah. So I got him at five months. I got him a yeah. month ago. Actually, tomorrow it's going to be a month. And, um, yeah, you know, I think it is just us getting used to each other. He's very, he's like, I think too friendly, doesn't know boundaries. Like, (laughs) like we'll jump on people, you know, like wants to play with every single body. So it makes it difficult. He's very curious about everything. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, he's great and, you know, I love him so much and, and I'm really happy that I got him, but it is a lot of work. And I'm really stressed out. And it is, and I I guess I was 
I was like kind of prepared for like the stress of having the puppy and figuring that out. And I'm, I have a dog walker, even though I work from home and yeah. all that. But I think the thing that I was unprepared for, which I'm sure Elise will talk to about, uh, talk about too, is like how much people project their shit onto you about like dog ownership and stuff. Like, you know, people just, I, you know, it was really difficult. Like mom shaming, but with dogs. Yeah. Exactly. So even before I got the dog, when I was thinking about getting a dog and, you know, I have my reasons, like, you know, my reasons were my mental health was not good. I was, there was a point like a few weeks ago where I was really sick and I wasn't getting out of bed. And I'm like, yo, I can be in bed for a week and no one would know. Like, it's this super dark spiraling thing. And I'm like, I need something that's going to like get me out interacting with the world, especially because I live alone and all this stuff. And like, there's all these other personal, like mental health family things that are tied into this decision Mm -hmm. of me getting a dog. But then when I would tell friends and, you know, when I would tell friends that I wanted a dog, they'd be like, you're you're too busy or you can't do it or this and then it's just like you're not even like that was really that was really disappointing Mm -hmm. and like I you know I'm working through that in therapy but then also just like you know I took him to a friend's house like one of my neighbors had a little thing and I took him over and he's like oh he's not trained or he doesn't know how to do this or he doesn't know how to sit or it is mom shit and I'm like I felt really bad and I was embarrassed but then we left and I'm like I don't know, dude. It's a dog. I've had him for a month. He's a puppy. You've had it's him a for dog. a month. I've had him for a month, and also, like, your dog doesn't let me pet him. Like, yeah. you can <laughs> you can carry my dog, and he's very cuddly, and he'll just get. So I'm just Kino's like everyone's really just fucking different, you know. There is a lot so of that. It's a yeah. lot of that that I have to like work through and whatever. But I love having a dog, and I love him so much. But he's annoying as fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what dogs are supposed. Yeah, some people it's like yeah, you find like. You, once you get a dog, you meet people that it's like, oh, you have a dog. You could be a dog person. But then it's like, you're being an asshole about my dog. Like, my dog's also not. Morty's not friendly. I, uh, sorry. Yeah. Like, I, I can't. <laughs> what do you want? I'm not going to force this dog. Like, everyone's yeah. like, oh, but all dogs like me. I'm like, they're like, D-d-d-. well, I usually get away with just saying he's a rescue, even though I rescued him at very young. But like, I'm sorry the dog's not friendly. I'm sorry he doesn't want to say hi to you. I'm sorry all dogs like you. It is not my fault. Who, who cares? It doesn't affect yes, you. you. just met yeah. one that doesn't, man. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Have you had Morty's any of this? Please. Yeah, have you had well, any of this yet? so not real. Aside from the fact that people thought I got my dog from a puppy mill and I had to be like, he's not from a puppy mill. He's just a random farm happening. Yeah. Anyway, um... Not really, but be- it's because he Rusty is only three months old. He doesn't have all of his vaccines yet because uh, he thinks there's yeah. a microchip, and we're working on we're working yeah. on it. Yeah, dog because he thinks the ice is going to use it to track him. But <laughs> well, you can't train him; you have to educate. Well, I'm we're, we're working on it every day. I see the thing about it is that I'm calling him in. I'm not calling him out. Okay, good. <laughs> exactly. Good as we discussed. But he doesn't have all his vaccines yet, so we can't really take him. We've taken him on, like, little test walks, and he's, like, not even able to go for a walk yet. He gets so excited. He runs in every direction. He starts freaking out, so we can't take him anywhere. Um, Extremely cute, extremely smart puppy, but when you have a smart puppy, it goes in both ways. Mm -hmm. Like, he's smart for good, and he's smart for mischief. So, Mm. like... And then um, I have had many sub people ask about the the meeting between Biz and Rusty. So oh right, they are tentatively getting along at this time. Um, I think that they 
and I'll, I'll preview this because I'm working on it for stage, but I think that they have uh, <laughs> they have the relationship of like uh, a hot girl and a bro at the bar, whereas mm-hmm. like every time he sees her, he darts right to her. He's like immediately like in her face. He's so excited, tail wagging, barking, going crazy. And she, it's too much. He comes on too strong mm. and she will leave. But then... If he starts to not be paying attention to her, she'll kind of walk by to make sure that he sees he's still paying. She's still got him. You know, if she wants to come back and get that attention, she can come back and get it at any time. (laughs) So she she plays hot and cold with him a little bit. Didn't she Mm -hmm. run up on him and smack him in the face? She did also do that. Yes. (laughs) Um, It's a process. Yeah. Again, it's a process. And I'm sure you've gotten many. I feel like the the pet shaming is, is good training for eventually being being mom shamed because like at the end of the day it's like mike's always like it's a dog like your dog look most dogs if they have a warm place to be and a a person that's their main person they're happy thank you and that's like something that i had to yeah no that's something that i had to do my dog is peas on pads and everywhere we go we're like fuck is he gonna i have to hold him whatever who cares i'll just hold him whatever i don't care (laughs) yeah it's my fucking dog i have to deal with it yeah no and that's a good point because i think that that was getting to me and i'm like I can, now I can see why people get so uncomfortable by like unsolicited advice with their kids. Not mm-hmm. that I couldn't before, but when you're like, yeah, it's fucking like it's an affront to you. But at the same time, it's like, dude, it's a fucking dog. I'm not hurting it. Like I'm taking it out. It's fine. Just leave dogs me alone. Dogs are inherently happy. Even like stray yeah. dogs, you walk up to them, they're wagging their tail. <laughs> All right, so we have a, now we're going to do, we're going to finish up with some rapid fire questions because a lot of people asked, a lot of different people asked our like go-tos for various things. So your go-to cocktail, mine's a Cosmo. Mm -hmm. I recently started drinking Cosmos again. I never really drank them because they were on Sex and the City. So I just assumed they were bad, even though I love Sex and the City. Recently had one. They're fucking delicious. I got kind of like, Mm. I don't want to say addicted because saying addicted to alcohol is problematic, but like they're so (laughs) tasty that there was a week where I had like two every night and they have a lot of alcohol in them. So I uh, definitely uh, that's my go to cocktail. Do you have one, Elise? Mojito. Mm. Love a mojito. I'm like, you know, if I go to a a bar and they have something with ginger and lime and vodka or something like that, I love that. Is that a Moscow Mule? Yeah, I guess Moscow Mule. Yeah. But um, I also just love like tequila soda lime juice uh, or vodka soda lime juice, which is basically a seltzer. Yeah, solid. Your go to comfort show that you just watch when you don't know what else to watch and need to feel good. Ooh. It'll change a little, like it'll change depending, Mm -hmm. but right now we're rewatching Sopranos. And I know that's a weird comfort show, (laughs) but it is the thing that we're turning on when we're like, what else do we turn on? Mm, I think for me it is Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm. <laughs> I've watched it so many. It's so lame. Ugh, mine's definitely at Seinfeld and also Veep, which I consider to be Ugh. a unique one. Veep is I so rewatchable. I think I've just I repeat myself on the podcast all the time. I, I, I started watching and I'm like, this is so depressing. I guess now it's I comfort because Veep. Trump's out. But um, okay, your go-to, uh, your go-to SSRI, if you're on one. I will... <laughs> I got to switch them up every few years. They stop working. So I've I've done Prozac. I've done Lexapro. I've done Zoloft. I've done Selexa. I think Prozac is my fave because uh, it made me a little manic, but that's why I don't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Lexapro girl, baby. Yeah. I think, 10 milligrams. <laughs> um, okay, just, a, my, just a dash. 
My friend who works in pharma says that 16 weeks of talk therapy is the equivalent to being on SSRIs. So Yeah, why not both? Yeah, why not both also? Uh, but I have not, I not that I don't think I could be prescribed. Your I favorite just, SSRI is 16 weeks of therapy. Well, bitch, and it costs a lot. So. <laughs> yeah, it costs a lot more. <laughs> but yeah, I'm on, a, I do a lot of therapy, but I haven't. And I think it's just because I haven't seen a psychiatrist that I haven't been, not because I'm like unprescribable, but it's more, I think yeah, I have a Obviously, uh, yeah, talk to your doctor about any medications, but um, yeah, don't spot treat your anxiety if you're anxious all the time. You can just take something every day that will help. Don't, yeah. Yeah, I will say that I, I got on, I I have been on SSRIs in the past, like in my, on and off, like at various times, but I like would never take them and like whatever. Oh, good. Then, <laughs> yeah. Like, so they weren't helping because you actually do have to kind of take them every day. Um, <laughs> but over the pandemic, surprise, mental health, not in the best place, got on them, uh, started on a like, even lower just now I'm where I'm at and like I did find it really helpful so um yeah, yeah no I, stigma you know, obviously Try explore it. all of your yeah. options with your doctor and your mm-hmm. mental health is important yeah your go-to dinner recipe mm. Mm. do you have one I I do from scratch or anything just like what what's the thing you like make like almost every week you always buy the ingredients when you grocery shop at least you can cover <laughs> my uh there's a i just call it sausage pasta um and it's a it's a cabbage it's sweet italian sausage pasta dish that my mom used to make when i was a kid comforting easy to make actually pretty i mean really tasty and like not bad for you so we should share the recipes for these in the new sausage slide. pasta yeah yeah mine some i just make like little shawarma bowls i just make you know just get a bunch of shawarma seasoning put it on some chicken bake it I don't like vegetables, but I like them when, you know, you dice them up and mm. <laughs> put some lemon and olive oil on them. And then I make like a, a bootleg white sauce and then I'll eat that all week. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I guess like because I live alone, I'm like eating whatever. Yeah. Or like oven fries. But like, I guess if I'm actually cooking, I think my go to is I made it for Elisa's bachelorette, but like my yellow rice with really green good. onions. Ooh. Um and that I guess good. chicken or steak and then like a tomato, tomatoes, olive oil, salt and pepper. I love that and yeah, these are good ones. Okay, I'm gonna do one more because I like this question. Somebody said I listen so much. I feel like we're besties. Who are your imaginary podcast besties? Who do you <gasps> have a big parasocial relationship? Ooh, with? this is a really good one. Yeah, yeah, it's a good closing one. I knew that would um, animate you so I could keep you around. <laughs> um Lacey Mosley the scam goddess oh. who I've actually met in person like once or twice but like uh definitely parasocial at this the amount that she knows me back is very minimal yeah, very minimal to the it. amount that I know her That's so funny. Uh, I fucking love scam goddess that podcast makes me I need laugh, to listen to that laugh, laugh. it's just yeah, about it's different like, scams right oh amazing it's so, it's so funny and she's delightful and she's got great guests um so, yes, that is definitely one. Lost Culturistas will also always mm-hmm. do that for me, but we do also know yeah. and Bowen. So it's like some of them, it's a little like I do know the people a little yeah. bit, but now I know that now I feel like I have an asymmetrical relationship with them. Where like I'm like, well, I talk to you every day. Right, right. Yeah. Just through this, I feel like I've gotten to like mine are definitely like 
Alyssa and Aaron of Hysteria at mm. Crooked Media, and mm. we got to have Alyssa on, and that was like, no matter what like happens with this job, whenever I look at Alyssa Master Monaco's Instagram stories, she's sharing my memes, and I'm like, that's all I need. That's all yeah. I need. <laughs> so those two definitely, and I, and we've got to have Alyssa on. Um, I love Rose and Jamie of like a Sex in the City recap podcast, and I got to go on that one. Um, oh, also, fun. Nicole Byer and Zashir Damata do a, do a oh, podcast yeah. literally called Best Friends. And so that's definitely parasocial as well. Oh, and Kara and Liza of That's Messed Up and SVU podcast. So I've got as many. I've got lots of them. Who are who are you? Oh, uh, who are your I podcast besties? Oh, man. Mine are. Um, okay. I listen to a lot of like mental health podcasts. So Dr. <laughs> Thema, she's like a psychologist that does like basically she does little lectures on different subjects of like how to have boundaries. So I listen to it before I go to bed. And mm-hmm. I do feel like she's very like she's a psychologist. She actually recently. um, f- uh, OK, this is like Real Housewives of Potomac. Giselle's, <laughs> Giselle's baby daddy, Jamal. That's her brother. So, Got it. so this one's like a black woman. Oh, she's, cool. She's a psychologist, but she won her psychology board. Like mm-hmm. she's actually the president of the psychology board in America that just won like this month. But also oh she's like a does spoken word and it's a little woo woo, like crazy shit. So I love that. Um, my podcast besties for a while were John Favreau and mm-hmm. um, of course, of, of course, course yeah. like all the crooked guys. Mm-hmm. But um, but now, yeah, Esther Perel is my podcast bestie. I love listening to her. Yes. Like like the Where Should We Begin podcast when you're hearing her do couples therapy. Um, I just feel like this bitch got it. Like this is like her. And then um, I love Michelle T. She does like tarot readings. And she has Ooh. a tarot podcast. Yeah. So she has a tarot podcast. And she's had a lot of guests. She's had um, Melissa, Louisa, um, Louisa, Loisada, Olivia, who has mm. who's an author? She had on recently, but basically she'll she'll like bring guests on and read their tarot or read random people's tarot or like it's like really witchy and fun. Yeah, so, that is uh, fun. I feel like I needed magic. a lot more fun podcasts than political podcasts this yes. year. So for those of you who stuck around with us because we try to be both, thank you so much. These thank questions were you. amazing. This thank is such you. a great way to end the year. We just like talk into the void, and it's it's weird and nice to see when people. Uh, that people are actually listening and they care about us. So it means the world. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Lily Tamaris. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. Bye. The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.